can't just accept it. We've got to help them. Oh, sitting here planning and dreaming of a revolution isn't going to win your planet back. We do all we can. By making a nuisance of yourselves, that's all it is. But what can we do without weapons? Nothing. We must get some. and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Space Museum. Ooh. The Space Museum was written by Glenn Jones, directed by Mervyn Penfield, and produced, as always, by Verity Lambert. It aired April 24th, 1965 to May 15th, 1965. And we've had a good couple of episodes that were just bad. Bad. Just straight up bad. We had The Crusade. And before that, we had The Web Planet. And then before that, we had The Romans. And then before that, we had The Rescue, which was mediocre at best. The rescue had the benefit of being two episodes, though, so... Yeah, very true. But before that, we had the Dalek invasion of Earth, which filled us with hope, hope. which is the cruelest thing of all. <laughs> yeah, it, the Vicky era is almost worse than the Susan era. It's almost worse than the Susan era, except that it doesn't have Susan. Can you imagine how bad these episodes would be if Susan were still around? Oh, God, just imag- imagine the web planet was Susan. God. So over the top of this, to. you've got Susan's like <laughs> blood screaming. screams and your mind just shatters. <laughs> because on the one hand, they, like all these episodes have been bad. On the other hand, the Vicky has been the shining bright spot in every single one of the episodes. It's true. She has been the prose, this, the entirety of the prose column in every single one of these episodes. It's true. Vicky has been the best part, so... Especially when she calls the doctor on his shit. Exactly. <laughs> but Caleb, given all that you know about Doctor Who, and given the cliffhanger that the Crusade left on, and given the title, The Space Museum, what do you think this episode is going to be about? I'm going to summarize it as, not at the museum in space. It's going to be a collection of things in like stasis from across the galaxy, including Daleks, I'm calling it right now. Uh... <laughs> Daleks and humans from 1965 and a bunch of dinosaurs, sure. And they're all going to wake up and have a good old time. Except for that last part, this might be the first time you've gotten a 100% correct (laughs) prediction. I don't remember entirely, so I don't want to completely call it now. But from from what I do recall, it's like that's pretty accurate yeah which is when i heard space museum i was like oh it's not the museum but in space it's starring ben stiller somehow (laughs) (laughs) that's how you know it's a time travel show with that we will see you all in the future let's get going (laughs) 
And we're back. May have just been a couple of seconds for you, but it was about a week and a half for us, give yeah, or take. Yeah, about right. Would have been sooner, but Caleb had tech. And as someone who just recently got done with the show, I understand your pain. I am willing to, <laughs> I am willing to wait if it means you don't have to deal with tech. It's one of those things where once again, I do theater thinking I miss it. And then the moment I'm in it, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? I have a lot of similar experiences. I'm, I've basically adopted the philosophy of I will not be involved in any sort of theater project if I'm not getting paid. This is no longer a volunteer. I am no longer at a point in my life where I can volunteer that much energy and time. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought it was paying well. Wasn't paying enough. Between this podcast and uh, my YouTube channel, I'm like, I have other ways of occupying my free time. I don't I don't need to be driving all the way over there. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Doing various shits. But anyway, Doctor Who. Anyway, Doctor Who. I'm going to go ahead and give my thoughts on it. Uh, I fucking loved this one. I have put it in my top three and I absolutely adore it and cannot wait to talk about it. Caleb, you go ahead and agree with me. There are things I like about it. Okay. <laughs> um, and there's some things I don't like about it. Caleb, Caleb, this is this is starting to sound uh, less and less like agreeing with me. Uh, pull back. Pull back. A more. <laughs> pull, pull it back a little bit. I need more fawning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Uh, we'll get into it. I really have one specific complaint, but we'll get into it, I suppose. All right, all right. I think, you'll, I think you'll figure out very clearly what I don't like about this episode <laughs> in the descriptions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, in that case, uh, let's just go ahead and get right into it, shall we? Yeah, let's dive right in. Episode 1 of the Space Museum, titled The Space Museum. The TARDIS crew awaken from their weird stasis, but their Crusade-era clothes have been replaced with their regular apparel. Vicky pours a glass and breaks it, but it instantly reforms in her hand. In her hand. The Doctor acts like that isn't really all that weird, and determines that they have landed on a museum planet. The crew head out to explore, but note that they don't make any footprints in the sand as they approach. Even when they arrive and encounter the museum's guards, they don't appear to hear or see them. The crew also phases through any object they come in contact with. At last, they discover a partially visible TARDIS as well as display cases with themselves in it. After some timey-wimey bullshit talk, the Doctor determines that they have leapt onto a different time track and are getting a brief glimpse of their possible future. The episode ends with the timeline becoming congruent and the crew realizes that they only have a short time to stop themselves from becoming displays in the space museum. It's funny you say uh, some timey-wimey bullshit. You know timey-wimey is a Doctor Who reference, right? No. Should've, yes, no, it it's is. Not. Yes, it is. <laughs> no! The cultural zeitgeist right. strikes again. <laughs> I fell right into the trap. Because at one point, uh, a line... Uh, in New Who, the Doctor says, everyone thinks as, of time as a straight line, but actually it's more of a big bowl of timey, wimey stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, perfect. And then that line just kind of was taken away into the cultural zeitgeist and, until it eventually <laughs> reached you. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make fun of it. <laughs> and then uh, The Good Place came out and... Uh, People were like, oh, thank God. Uh, now with Jeremy Baramy, the good place has given me a way of conveying non-linear time without me having to fucking quote Doctor Who. 
<laughs> this is the uh, the Good Place podcast now. I could easily do the Good Place is my favorite live action show, Caleb. I could do a Good Place podcast. I am constantly thinking of the podcast. Um, I am constantly thinking of the Good Place. I think I've seen a meme about it. Maybe a couple. I don't know. You specifically would love that show. I'm just saying. All right, guys. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is foreshadowing of the next podcast. Okay. Anyway, yes. This is the first in a long string of episodes that I have really been looking forward to since we started the show. So I am glad we're finally here. <laughs> the episode starts and they are wearing their different clothes. And I was like, oh, plot hole. And then like a couple seconds later, I was like, ooh, a plot point. Interesting. A plot point that actually doesn't get answered. It doesn't. I was I was kind of disappointed by that. <laughs> but like the doctor is just very very strangely quick to dismiss the fact that apparently they just had a group blackout and are now in different clothes and I'm like doctor this is not a small thing why are you just being like oh, oh whatever pish posh as we've established I don't like the doctor <laughs> I don't like him when he talks a lot. <laughs> I thought you loved it when he talked out of his ass. Uh, I liked it less in this episode. <laughs> no, because I didn't like it when he did in the Romans. The Romans was purely him talking out of his ass. I just got mad about it the whole time. That is true. This is getting ahead of ourselves. But, like, you know, he quickly dismisses. He's like, oh, like, we've just had our time is relative. Who gives a shit when we changed our clothes? You guys are thinking too much about this. <laughs> to, like, Vicky, like, breaking the glass. And she's like, it reformed my hand. And he's like, well, that's weird. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Then they see everything that happens in the episode. And then he goes off on, like, the absolute fucking craziest timey-wimey bullshit rant ever. And, like, it just makes perfect perfect sense. Well, of course, it makes sense to him. He's the one who said it. <laughs> if he's not bringing up the grievance, he doesn't he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't care. I think that's what we've established. Is, that's pretty consistent in the characterization of the Doctor. If someone if someone else brings it up, who cares? If he brings it up, then it's then it's important. It, it's, it's very much a... Timon from Lion King kind of thing. Where it's like, ah, that's a terrible idea. Hey, I've got an idea. I suppose. It's <laughs> definitely one of his most aggravating character traits. Uh, that being said about the about the glass, that rewind shot probably blew everyone's mind in 1965. Because <laughs> <laughs> Vicky drops the glass and then just the footage rewinds and the, <laughs> the glass reforms in her hand. Which that's something I do really appreciate about this episode is like I feel like they're really trying to experiment with I don't know the filmmaking mm-hmm. <laughs> because the same thing is true of like the like the phasing in and out of the uh, objects or whatever like when yeah yeah Vicky puts her hand through the weird tube machine uh, and she's like it went right through it and they're like oh my god it did how did they do that <laughs> movie magic Ooh. total side note they land and they're looking out the at the scanner and barbara says "Ooh, space oh she says oh look spaceships and there's a youtuber i watch who makes a lot of uh, uh doctor who amv type things and one of them has oh look spaceships juxtaposed with an episode much later where the doctor says oh look rocks <laughs> and <laughs> hearing oh look spaceships not responded with oh look rocks it felt jarring in my head and so i was like ah ah okay sorry continue on <laughs> the whole quote isn't here <laughs> then they then they get out 
of the TARDIS and they're walking around. And Barbara mentions that the planet has a silence that you can almost hear. And I looked it up. Fun fact, Simon and Garfunkel will release the song A Sound of Silence five months later on September 12th. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, sitting there watching this episode, was like, hmm, interesting. Hmm, hmm. I have an idea. I think hmm. I have an idea. Garfunkel, write this down. Uh, then I made the prediction that, they, that they're all dead and ghosts. Uh, I was wrong. Yeah. We'll call it half wrong. They were like weird astral projections. Yeah. Until they became physical beings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. And then I love how they're walking through the museum and then they walk, they round a corner and there's just a Dalek standing there. And uh, the Dr. Barbara and Ian like take a step back and are like scared. But Vicky looks so unimpressed. And she's like, oh, look, yeah, a Dalek. Yeah, I've heard about them. I mean, what is it? What is he gonna do? Unplo- unclog my toilet at me? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she even has a line. She's like, uh, "I was like, yeah, I remember reading about them in like history or whatever." And I was like, "And the textbooks got it mostly right. It's a lot smaller than I thought it was gonna be." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I, I and I love that because she was she references yeah they in, I remember they invaded Earth like a couple hundred years ago but like nah other than that eh. spoiler what she's gonna learn real quick. Well, I mean, she is referencing like a couple episodes ago when they were there. Yeah, they did invade her. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. She, she's going to learn real quick, probably in the next story. Oh, maybe. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't remember what prompted this, but at some point Barbara said, uh, even the Daleks are friendly to some. And I was like, name one. Name one single Dalek that you have ever met that was friendly in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, I think I think she's saying that kind of like in like a smarter because like, doesn't Vicky say something like it looks kind of friendly? I don't remember. <laughs> I I could have sworn she said like because like Ian like turns to Barbara after she says that and is like yeah, according to Vicky they are. Oh yeah so. yeah 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 because she was like I don't know kind of look it looks a little cute, and then they were like you wouldn't say that if you've actually met one. I am not cute. <laughs> what is cute? I I like this episode for the most part. Not a whole lot happens in it. A lot of it is them being like, walking over here and being like, well, this is weird. Let's go over there. Well, this is weird too. Yeah, it's it's them just figuring out that they're not leaving any sort of, they are cannot influence the world in any way, shape, or form. So like they can't leave footprints. They can't touch anything. They don't even hear anything on the planet. So they are not seen by any of the people that pass by him by them in the museum. And that's kind of it. It's them wandering around being like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I feel like they give an explanation for the timey-wimey bullshit, as you said. But I don't remember what it was. It's like, how did, the, how did, how did he put it? It was like, well, in this episode, he's like, we're on a different time track. So um, to me, it kind of sounds like they're in between space and time. Yeah. And they can kind of see what's going to happen. Yeah, they've arrived um, before they've technically arrived. So now they just need to wait for them to arrive, and then they'll have arrived. And that, yeah, exactly. That's basically <laughs> how it reads. Because they explain it again later in the episode, like in the last episode, and it's not any better of an explanation. And it, 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 it once again, added to the list of things I don't like about this episode. <laughs> 
It's how many times is the tortoise breaking gonna be a plot point? Oh yeah, the the <laughs> the reason why the tortoise broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, we'll talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> but for now. Let's go ahead and move on to episode two, unless you've got more to say. Yes, I do have more to say. Well, fuck you. Let's move on to episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. I've got the same point for the rest of the three episodes. Okay, what were you going to say? The timey-wimey thing does not really make sense. Not really. It doesn't. And, like, they spend so long trying to explain it. And Vicky even has a line where she's like, Well, if I'm standing here in time... Looking at the future, I'm like, this. none of this makes any fucking sense. Just say that. Yeah. Just say, doctor, what's going on? And the doctor will be like, well, I haven't the slightest clue. Grab his shirt coat. <laughs> so, yeah, it's weird. It, it is kind of a cool moment where, like, because, like, there's, like, a flash of, like, a picture of them still in the TARDIS. And then they see the display cases fading away. There's there's a theme throughout this story that I really like. And it's it really comes, it starts to manifest when they see themselves being displayed in this museum and it's one of it's one of the things that i really like about this uh, episode but we'll talk more as that theme unfolds and develops all right well that's all i have to say the dimensions of time the episode begins with two of the aliens maintaining the museum the leader labos learns of an alien ship that has just appeared but the crew is missing he orders the crew to be found and detained there's also talk of a growing rebellion on the planet Three such rebels are in the museum, and they they decide to look around for the travelers as well. Ian steals a gun out of an exhibit, and the four try to decide how best to avoid their fate. Instead of listening to Vicky and doing the reasonable thing, they decide to wander around aimlessly. The travelers leave a thread so they don't get lost in the museum, and eventually find their way to the exit. The doctor gets captured by the rebels while he is distracted, but he easily overcomes one of them and escapes. However, he is immediately... He immediately falls into the hands of Lavos, who waxes poetic about the Morarch Empire. The Doctor is a smarmy asshole the whole time and gets taken away to be turned into an exhibit. And I think you'll realize two of my big complaints about this episode and that very sarcastic description I wrote. Yeah. Remind me, what was what was Vicky's really good idea? Wasn't it just, let's just leave? Yeah, we should just fucking leave. <laughs> and the Doctor, so they're saying, they're like, what should we do? And Vicky's like, I have an idea. Let's go back to the TARDIS and get the fuck out of here. I was like, that sounds like a surefire way to not be a, not be here in that case. And I was like, yeah, that sounds totally reasonable. And the doctor's like, that doesn't guarantee that we'll stop the events that lead us here. And I was like, hmm, I'm pretty sure it fucking does, doctor. I'm pretty sure the solution to not ending up here is not being here at all. But like, don't they like talk around in circles for a while and they're le- then they're like, okay, let's get back to the TARDIS. It's just another instance of, no, 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 that's a terrible plan. Not until it's my idea. Now let's go. I guess. but I'm not saying it's not frustrating. I'm just saying it's another instance of that happening. (laughs) The first that happens is like, I'm like, fine. Vicky's the voice of reason that's always ignored until it's the doctor's idea. I can accept that. But they basically have this conversation in every other episode of this arc. Yeah. This conversation of, I mean, really. This is the whole conversation, the whole time, the whole fucking four-episode arc. Vicky's like, we should leave. And everyone's like, that doesn't guarantee we change the future. And then she says, well, how do we know anything is the right way to change the future? And then they go, well, we can't just do nothing. Yeah. See, that that's the, that's the theme I was talking about. It's like, in previous episodes, it's been an 
issue of like they can't change history they can't change events that have happened but this time around it is their own history it is their own fate so it's suddenly becomes a question of do you have the power to change your own fate or will you end up in this place no matter no matter what you do and i just kind of really like that because in previous stories they've they've played with the idea of changing of changing history only now they prove that they can they can successfully do that as long as they are involved in it in some way <laughs> and i don't know about you cuz you i mean you mentioned in the first episode that it was not a whole lot happens it was them wandering around and going whoa but this episode feels like it's picking up pace no i do i do agree that this episode like it moves a lot faster i just don't like the circular logic yeah in the sense that we don't know what to do so we might as well just not do anything <laughs> and you know me uh <laughs> My answer is always, just resort to violence. People who are dead can't do things to you. <laughs> well, then you're really, really going to like Vicky later in this story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Vicky's quickly becoming my favorite character, period. Vicky has easily become my favorite character <laughs> because I was also getting really annoyed with the cyclical conversations of just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and Vicky also seemed really annoyed because Ian and Barbara were arguing and... Vicky was just, like, in the background, just, like, waiting. And then they were like, all right, let's go to the TARDIS. And she's like, oh, fucking finally. <laughs> <laughs> and then was leading the way back. Yeah, I guess I guess that's one character thing I appreciate about the show. Is like, it's basically established that Vicky is way smarter than Ian and Barb. And that holds yeah. through basically every story. <laughs> yes. Vicky has been in a pretty much nothing but shit episodes so far but she has remained the bright spot in all of them yes and i love her for it <laughs> <laughs> well i like uh the fact that ian barbara and vicky go on ahead and then the doctor is the one that gets kidnapped which is just a nice change of pace because if someone's gonna get kidnapped it's usually the women it's usually the women but this time the doctor is the one that gets kidnapped and I don't think uh, either of them get kidnapped at any point until, like, the very end when they all get kidnapped. Yeah. Well, Vicky gets pulled aside, but it gets made very clear that she's not being kidnapped. Yeah. But on this note, I have to, uh, for once, uh, now, this happens a lot, too. We got to talk about these rebels <laughs> and their really insane logic to get the travelers on their side. Because, uh, like, they're, like, following them along the hallway, right? And they're like, there they are. It's like, we need to go talk to them. It's like, but how do we know they're not dangerous? It's like, what? how do we know they won't shoot us on sight? And the leader's like, I've got a plan. Let's kidnap one of them. <laughs> That'll convince them we're the good guys. Right? <laughs> and, and it's really funny because they kidnap uh, the doctor. And uh, then they're like, okay, Daco. You're going to be watching the doctor while we go uh, get the others. I mean, they don't refer to him as the doctor, but you watch the old man as we go get the others. And he's like, okay. And then they uh, and then they come back to check on him, and he, the and Daco's been knocked out. And I'm like, how much does Daco suck if he can be overpowered by the doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought that too. It was like once again the doctor inhumanly strong when he needs to be. <laughs> Uh, and then instead of just leading, he hides in the Dalek, which is, grand a bright spot of the episode for me. 
He yeah, he hides inside the Dalek, and I think that that moment right there is probably one of the most iconic moments of Hartnell's Doctor as him just being like inside the Dalek and then just like <laughs> coming out like a jack in the box and just yeah, like, with that <laughs> shit eating grin of his. <laughs> yeah, and then he gets kidnapped again. He gets kidnapped twice in one episode, like just making up for lost time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> because now he gets kidnapped by the other side of this conflict. And there's something about this scene I really like. The lighting is all moody and mysterious. And I don't know. When he's in the interrogation room? Yeah, I like this whole scene when he's being interrogated. Yeah, no, I like it too because it seems like it seems like all of the light is coming from like below him. So it casts like a, a shadow on his face. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Granted, as much as I love the scene, if I were a normal person and I was uh-huh. in a place that I knew was probably going to be the place of my death and I was being interrogated by the person who would probably facilitate that, maybe I wouldn't be a raging dickhead the whole time. <laughs> I don't see a problem with it. I mean, they're probably going to kill me anyway. I may as well get a couple of licks in. <laughs> oh, I guess. But no, the, the, whole, the whole time when he's like, hmm, I'll think of this. And it's just like the big fucking bicycle thing. Yeah. When Lavos was like, how'd you get here? Oh, that. Oh, what about this silly thing? The whole time I was like, doctor, you're signing your own death warrant. Just chill the fuck out for two seconds. Lavos was an idiot because like in the middle of the interrogation, he says, this is a thought reading machine that will show me whatever it is you're thinking. So you can't hide the truth from me. And I'm like, that's really dumb. You should have just had the screen pointed away from the doctor the entire time. And just not told him how it works, because now the doctor's just fucking with you the entire time. The pro- the problem is, is like, Lombos Lombo thought that he'd already got the doctor, because he'd already asked where your companions are, and that image had already appeared on the screen. So now he's basically like, aha, I have caught you, doctor. But the doctor was, I don't know, thinking of the last place they were or something like that. Yeah, that's where he left them, but they've moved on from there. Which leads to the most important question. Does this place not have security cameras? It doesn't seem like it. It seems <laughs> like it's just nothing but radios between the guards. They have this amazing machine that will let you see in people's thoughts. Not machines that will be looking out of the rooms, though. The fuck's a camera? <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a moment that gave me a genuine laugh. Ian, Barbara, and Vicky are trying to get back to the TARDIS, but they keep going around in circles. <laughs> and Ian says... The Minotaur! And Vicky's like, where? <laughs> <laughs> they give me a genuine laugh. This moment also made me genuinely, ironically laugh. Watching Ian struggle to take that sweater apart. Yeah, he's like, okay, we'll just use the thread of Barbara's cardigan. <laughs> I swear this is made of steel wool. <laughs> He bites it with his teeth, tries to tear it apart, and then Barbara takes it from him. She's like, do you have a pen knife? And he's like, oh, yeah, I do. And I'm like, Ian, why didn't you use that to begin with? <sighs> I can't wait for the companions to get killed. At this point, I've just assumed they're not going home. All the companions are going to leave by, like, getting married off to aliens they meet or dying. It's a spectrum. The companions <laughs> leave. You can never really you can never really predict why it is a companion's going to leave. <laughs> Also, I think it's a total dick move that Ian is like, here, Barbara, t- uh, give me your jacket so I can pull it apart for strings. I was like, Ian, if you're so invested in this plan, you are wearing a perfectly good jacket. You could volunteer that one instead of taking Barbara's. 
Oh, we also have to rewind for a second. I forgot about this. Uh, I should take notes on the things I think about these episodes. Hey, there's an idea. Uh, rewinding a little bit into this episode, before the Doctor gets kidnapped, they're preparing to leave, and they're starting to walk out, and the Doctor's like, Ian, why don't you take the lead? That's another notch in the evidence that the Doctor's trying to get Ian killed. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ian's like, I don't know where I'm going. Doctor, I don't think you know where you're going. He's like, oh, you're right. Of course I don't know where I'm going. That's why you should go first. <laughs> I just saw this sign that says minefield. Ian, you go first. <laughs> if you blow up into a million pieces, we'll know that part specifically is not safe. Go on, Chesterfield. <laughs> um, but those those are my thoughts for this episode. Yes, those are also my thoughts for this episode. I just had to make sure I got the point in where they're the, <laughs> continuing to add to the bottom of the evidence that the doctor is still trying to kill Ian. I will find at least one piece of evidence in every episode. <laughs> Story, rather. I don't know. All right, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, they escape. The doctor's a raging asshole and, like, deserves to be taken to the preparation room, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to episode three, The Search. The Morocks try to force their way into the TARDIS. While the travelers have an existential crisis about doing anything, they get caught by one of the guards. A struggle breaks out and everyone is separated. Ian manages to fight his way through and takes a Morak hostage and demands he leads him to the doctor. Barbara hides in the storage room, but is stuck inside when the Moroks search it and shut the door behind them. Vicky is captured by the Xeron rebels. Labos floods the station with a noxious gas. One of the rebels finds Barb in the storage room and explains who they are, but suddenly the gas fills the chamber and they are both knocked out. Vicky convinces the Xerons to raid the Moroks' armory, and easily gets past arguably the dumbest security system of all time. Ian makes his way to the preparation room and holds Labos at gunpoint, but is shocked when he sees the doctor in stasis. There's a part early on that this is just the the episode where you just keep gushing about how awesome Vicky is. This will continue because Vicky's great throughout this episode. But there's a part where they're, they're like peeking out the door to see that uh, there are guards around the TARDIS. And then they get caught by a guard inside and he's like holding him at gunpoint and then ian just like grows colossal sized balls and just starts walking towards the guy saying i'll i'll bet that you were commanded to bring us in alive so you're not going to shoot us and the guard tells him to move and ian says but we don't feel like moving do we and then vicky from behind him was like no we don't and barbara has to like <laughs> hold her back because she was about to fucking throw down with this I just I loved her fuck the police <laughs> attitude here. I agree. Vicky in that moment, chef's kiss. We have to go back and talk about the fact that they spent so long talking about what to do, they got fucking caught, which honestly about gave me an aneurysm. <laughs> well, I mean they're they're finally they're finally getting negative consequences for just standing around and talking all day. I figured you'd be happy. <laughs> and Vicky's just like, we should do something. And then, oh, because, like, that's what made me mad about this, because it's in this part where Ian is like, well, we don't have all the, we like, we don't have all the choices, so we can't make, we can't make a choice at all, let alone the right one. I'm like, uh, yeah, you can, Ian. You could do literally fucking anything other than stand here and talk about it. I'd rather stand here and wax philo uh, philosophy about it, uh, so that the guards will definitely find us and put us in the, in the museum. I mean, you know, we never know. That could be, maybe we're, maybe... By going along with the guards, we won't get taken. Haha, -ha, you ever think of that? <laughs> yeah, you ever think of that? What if we betrayed the doctor? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, and then we have to talk about 
So Ian gets close to that guard uh, with his colossal balls. And, like, he goes to grab the gun and, like, they're struggling. And he tells the girls to run. And then they try to go out the front door to the TARDIS. <laughs> what? They know there's, like, ten people out there. And then I love how Ian just kind of, like, starts fighting the fighting the guards. And I was just picturing Ian's inner monologue. And just like, finally, I haven't had a fight scene since the Roman Colosseum. And I haven't had a good fight scene since the Aztecs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this fight scene was, like, mildly enjoyable. It gets the award for it. Not the worst fight scene I've ever seen in Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, that still goes to the Romans. Well, no, no. I feel like there was a worse one. I can't think of it off the top of my head. but The, been... the worst fight scene is Unearthly Child. Between the two cavemen? Like the sumo wrestling? Yeah, yeah where like, they're kind of like pushing on each other, and you can't really tell who they are. And it wasn't until like the fight was over and someone's name was that. I was like, oh, that's who won. <laughs> that one was pretty bad. I'll give you that one. And then I started wondering why the people at the museum are so well-armed and just reflecting that this space museum feels a lot more like a military base than it does a museum well lobos says something that like the museum is like a testament to the morok empire and it basically seems like a a museum dedicated to all the people they've conquered so it's more like a military museum yeah i refuse to believe that the moroks were able to conquer the daleks i feel like they were just like hey here's an empty dalek shell totally gonna take this and take the credit for it yeah i could see that too there is something and like uh it, it's one of those ones when like when lobos was talking about it, i was like hmm interesting oh i like this he says something where like the more the more like empire like i don't know dominated space or something like that but they haven't had to do that for a long time because they've dominated everything so they don't know how to do war anymore and that's why the guards are like hilariously inept at anything yeah They've already conquered the world. They've already conquered the galaxy. So, like, where do you go from there? <laughs> mm -hmm. Because, like, the doctor, like, alludes to Rome. Like, this is back in episode two when he's in the chair being an asshole. But, yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Doesn't really get explored all that much, but I've kind of accepted that as a fact of the show. <laughs> and then Vicky is pulled aside by the rebels, and he's like, You can clearly see we're nothing like them. And I was like, Yeah, they're wearing, they're wearing completely different clothes. <laughs> That's the only reason Vicky had to would have any reason of like, oh, they're different is because these guys are wearing black and where whereas the what are the what are those fucking called? The Morocks. The mor I keep wanting to call them morons. Where the morons Very are close. wearing all white. Yeah, see, you and I you and I noticed different things. What's that? Because they're like, we're obviously different to them. I was like, yeah, look at those fucking eyebrows. Jesus. Yeah, no, I noticed I noticed the eyebrows and then the morons had the every single one of them has just like the biggest widow's peak ever yeah the fucking like <laughs> the fucking dad in his late 50s haircut <laughs> but now i thought that as soon as i saw the zero rebels the first time and every time they were on the screen i was like oh my god those eyebrows <laughs> gotta make them look alien somehow i guess i guess but they i, I don't know they don't try that hard for other human aliens <laughs> very true <laughs> there was a, another really unintentionally funny moment where it's like Barbara's trapped in the... She she gets let out by one of the rebels and then she's walking down the hallway and the gas starts flowing in and she just like starts coughing and choking and it's like she's clearly like, <coughs> like choking to death on the gas and she's falling to the ground and she's in so much pain. Hard cut to Vicky just sitting back and having a pint with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like sitting... She's just relaxing in a chair just like drinking from a cup and she's like, wow, sure, I'm glad that I'm not choking to death on gas right now. That sounds like it would suck. <laughs> 
I don't remember the scene that well, but um, don't the don't the Xerons say something like you know they're struggling to take on the Morlocks, and she's like, "Isn't that like an armoring you can read? You should get guns." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this this was the scene where I was just like, "Ah, oh, Vicky, oh, it's gonna be a long time before we have a companion that's as cool as you." <laughs> Because she's like, there's an armory here, right? Why don't you just take the guns? And just like a couple moments later, they said that they're weaker than the Moroks. And they're like, but that's where we're strong, in our planning. I'm like, you're strong in your planning, and yet it never occurred to you to take the armory? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. The Moroks are relentlessly useless. <laughs> then they actually go to the armory. and Oh my god. <laughs> I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I absolutely love retro future aesthetics <laughs> because the security to get into the armory <laughs> is they press a tape recorder that asks you questions and then you have to answer it honestly and it <laughs> and then once the questions are over i guess they have to press the rewind button for it to go back to the beginning so they can press it again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and like I, I kind of hate it because like I felt like Vicky was just like too relentlessly honest. Uh, she presses the button and then like, "What are you here for?" And she's like, "Guns." And they're like, "Why?" And she's like, "Revolution." <laughs> and it's just like, "Okay." Well, no, because she like opens up the machine and like changes changes it so that it no longer requires the correct answer. It just requires a truthful answer. So that's uh, when she was okay. like, "What are you here for? Guns? Why do you need it? Revolution!" And that's when that's when it opens. Fair enough. I just thought the machine was dumb, and you know, like you just had to be honest, and that was it. Ian as that guard at gunpoint for majority of it, and then he gets to uh, Lobos's office, and he has Lobos at uh, gunpoint, and there's there's this exchange there's this exchange of dialogue i have written down that i'm just like damn ian lobos says you're a fool if you kill me you will achieve nothing and then ian says possibly but it might be enjoyable and i'm like <laughs> man ian's really got a taste for blood by the end of this adventure hasn't he <laughs> i know I, I, this is the moment this is the moment of the episode that i did like ian because he's just stone cold the whole time pointing this guy he's got all the power yeah bitch <laughs> Also, in case this trivia wasn't totally obvious, uh, William Hartnell was on vacation during the filming of episode three because he does not show up at any point. Except at the very end when he's taking a good nap. No, he's not even in, he's not even in that because the episode ends with like Ian looking dead on at the camera. Oh, that's like, right. <gasps> yeah, 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 yeah. Doctor. Yeah. So yeah, William Hartnell was on vacation. <laughs> and on that note, the final phase. Bum, 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 bum. The doctor is unthawed and he seems more annoying than usual. In a classic Doctor Who moment, the Doctor won't shut the hell up, and it ends up getting Ian and the Doctor recaptured. Vicky sees off the Rebels before deciding to return to the museum to save her friends. Barb and Daco manage to get out of the museum, and they run into Vicky and her companion. Both the Rebels are shot, though, and the women are captured and brought to Labos. With little options left, things seem pretty hopeless. Except the Rebellion takes off exceedingly well, and the Rebels overthrow the museum and kill Labos and his cronies. The doctor and his friend take off with a new the doctor and his friends take off with a new time and space visualizer, but it appears their old friends the Daleks are prepared to chase them through space and time. The Xerons are a lot more progressive gender-wise than I think literally anyone in this show except for the Daleks at the in the first episode. Because they are like 
passing out the guns to men and women alike and Tor puts uh and Tor is the leader of the of the rebels and he puts Vicky in charge and uh orders Sita to go with her to the museum. Vicky's like I need to go over there and so he's like okay, Sita, go with her. Follow her orders. She's in charge. Yeah, gender equality. Woo-hoo. All genders are equal in the revolution. <laughs> okay, so I about brought this up in the last episode, but I had to talk about it. Okay. When Ian gets the doctor back and the doctor's like de- like re-warming up or whatever, de-thawing. Yeah. And Labos like leans over to his goon. He's like, on the count of three, we'll rush them. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll rush them. And he goes, says, go now. And the guy kind of like hobbles forward and Ian swings the gun back around and just stops. <laughs> oh shit, I forgot he had a gun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. That was just so relentlessly funny to me. <laughs> no, I thought the same thing. <laughs> the Morak guards are like hopelessly incompetent. Like every single one of them. I had the note of, um, it cuts back to Barbara and Daco like cho- choking and Barbara has like a uh, cloth uh, over her face and then uh, she like goes over to Daco and like helps him up and gives him the cloth to put over his face to help him breathe and I'm like man Daco really sucks at rescuing he was supposed to be the one rescuing Barbara but she's literally pulling him out of there by herself <laughs> <laughs> and Daco's also the one that got knocked out by the doctor so the Daco's just relentlessly useless thank god he gets shot in a few seconds I was gonna say he will be executed after this <laughs> Yeah, and then the doctor gets thought out, and he's just, he totally just keeps talking out of his ass and, like, saying, ah, I was aware of everything going on the entire time. Maybe for you piddly mortals, maybe you would be completely frozen, but not me. Mine is the mind of a supercomputer. Nothing gets past... Ah, crap, we've just been caught again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I pretty much have that note of the doctor won't shut the fuck up, and it gets them caught again. <laughs> and I, I say he's slightly more annoying than usual, because, so, Hartnell's always got this kind of, like, hmm thing he does, mm-hmm. but he just says it after every line in this moment. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, didn't think of that? Hmm. What do you think about that? Hmm. I have the mind of a super mechanical computer. Hmm. And like, it, it was really annoying. This is, I'm making a prediction right here. Something broke in the doctor's brain in the, in the process. And that's going to justify a whole list of other things that's going to happen later. I'm predicting it right now. The doctor was already a raging psychopath, and something is even worse now. Because <laughs> the whole time, I just don't feel like he's acting right. There's a bit where, like, he takes a second gun from one of the guards, and Ian has, like, two guns. And then it cuts to Barbara or Vicky, I don't remember, and it cuts back to him, and he just has one gun again. I'm like, man, how useful would it have been if he could have a gun on two different prisoners at the same time? But they just, like, ah, oh, man. Uh, take away that second gun. He doesn't need it. He's just holding <laughs> one gun for the rest of the scene. Ian's just cocky. He's like, I don't need this. Throws it. <laughs> I just, I know I'm, it, this is the, uh, we love the Vicky show, but I just love how her solution to rescuing Ian and the doctor is, I'm going to charge in guns blazing. Everybody have their guns. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, adding to the theory, if everyone is dead, no one can do anything to you. <laughs> Yeah, that, that has always been our uh, diametrically opposed approaches to stealth games. 
<laughs> you're like, no, I'm over here. Like, if there are no bodies, the guards can't catch you. And you're like, if there are no guards, then it doesn't matter who finds the bodies. <laughs> no one can find the bodies. <laughs> that, that, that really was my approach to stealth games. I was like, if I just kill everyone, no, there are no witnesses. You do get the bad ending, though. Uh, for once, I want a stealth game where, like, killing everyone was the solution. <laughs> and then they're all captured, and they are held in the in the prison cell. And Barbara talks about all the things that she could have done to do to do it better. And then the doctor says something uh, something that he could have done better. And then Ian is well. I suppose if we're all joining in, and then he just get and then it's just like a pause. <laughs> And then he, and then someone else says something because I don't think I think Ian is just like, well, I suppose if we're all joining in. Huh, I don't think I actually made any wrong decisions now that I think about it. <laughs> no, I think about it. I think I did everything right. Vicky definitely and Vicky did says, I absolutely did everything right. Yeah, Vicky's the reason that they get out of there. Exactly. While you guys were talking about knowing all the facts and what's going to stop the future, I started a worldwide revolution. <laughs> what, like it's hard? <laughs> so yeah, so Vicky, ruthless thug the whole time. At the very end, if I didn't know any better, I would have been like oh i think vicky's staying yeah i got that vibe too maybe it's just because of how invasion of the daleks ended and i was getting the same vibes even though her and tar had no chemistry whatsoever yeah they had no chemistry but i can but if if vicky had said no i'm not going with you i'm staying here to become a world military leader i'd buy it i'd buy it for a reason okay, why yeah, she I'd leaves that. <laughs> caleb you did not mention this in your recap and i'm shocked Another piece got stuck. Another fucking piece of the TARDIS got stuck, and that's how it yeah, got off track. Another piece of the... I mentioned it in the first... I mentioned it right when the episode began. Did, did so, you? But, yeah. Well, no, not in the description, but I made the note um, on here, speaking yeah, yeah, words, yeah. that... Yeah, yeah, the reason all of this happened was because another thing broke on the TARDIS. And, Mac, is this a recurring plot point? Is the TARDIS just perpetually broken sort of I'll, I'll accept i'll accept that it's just this incomprehensible space doodad time machine that no one understands completely how it works bunging it really annoyed if it's just breaking and the doctor knows how to fix it have you ever watched firefly um a little there's a, a flashback episode where they like see everybody's origins and how they eventually came to the crew there's the bit where like they initially buy the ship and the captain is like once we get this thing working, we'll uh, we'll be able to go anywhere we want, whenever we want. As soon as we get it working, yep. So it's not technically working right now. Not as such, no. That's basically <laughs> what... Okay, imagine, <laughs> imagine a 14-year-old who does not know how to drive stealing their dad's really, really, really old junker car that technically runs... And they decide to steal that car and do a cross-country trip. That's the doctor right now. <laughs> he doesn't know how to drive it. It is constantly breaking down. But goddammit, he is going to make it to the West Coast or die trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Um, it's not quite as bad as the explanation in Edge of Destruction. But it's still really it, annoying. I'm pretty sure he still says, oh no, like this, this little bit. This, this got stuck. And I'm like, God damn, doctor, just get some WD-40 for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I know, because uh, that's what I thought too. I was like, oh my god, literally just fucking grease this machine. <laughs> um, there is a joke. There is a joke in New Who at some point uh, where someone's asking where the manual is, and uh, the doctor says that he threw it into a sun. He threw it into the sun, and they ask why. He says because I disagreed with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, but the button was stuck, and. Yeah, that's all it was. Again, it wasn't as bad as Edge of Destruction because it wasn't like the literal go back in time button. Yeah. Because it sounded like it was like it was like a piece that got caught in something and that made a bunch of other things go wrong. As opposed to this is the come back to the right time point in time <laughs> thingamajig. <laughs> and it just needs some WD forty. Do you have any more thoughts about this specific episode? Not in particular. Um, I like that it ends in violence, and my solution is once again proving to be the most viable one. Murder the bad guys. <laughs> The only piece of trivia that I have so far I've left over is um, Glenn Jones is the one who wrote this episode. Uh, and he is one of five individuals in the history of the show to both write for and star in an episode of Doctor Who. He was not in this episode. He's in a much further off episode. But he's one of the few people who has both written mm. and acted in Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, so, final thoughts about the Space Museum. I liked it. I liked it too. It was pretty good. I'm I'm putting in my top three. I I thought it I thought it had good pacing mm-hmm. because when it when Doctor Who doesn't have good pacing, you can fucking feel it. But this one went along as a at a good clip. I like the themes of fate and defying thereof and trying to figure out if they're doing the right thing or they're just doing what they were supposed to do in order to get to the fate that they were trying to avoid. I thought the villain was lame. He was a non-entity. But that's fine. And then fucking Vicky <laughs> sparking a revolution. Oh man, can you imagine if Vicky was in the Reign of Terror episode? <laughs> yes. Go back, do it again. <laughs> but yeah, I liked it. Uh, I pretty much agree. It had good pacing, went on a good clip. It was, uh, for all my complaints about the circular writing, it was like strong at least. I like the fact that it was doing weird things mm-hmm. and it wasn't the fucking web planet uh, <laughs> i think we will forever be grateful that whatever episode we're watching is not the fucking web planet yeah from here on all the sci-fi episodes will get credit for not being the web planet and all the history episodes will get credit for not being the romans <laughs> but yeah it was fine i think i like he's in there marinus more but yeah where it, it, it does confirm that we are out of the dry spell yes. in Doctor Who episodes. And I, I can confirm that the next the next couple of stories are going to be juicy. They got some good stuff. Bangers. In it. Yeah. All right, guys, and that's it for this episode. If you'd like to talk to us about the show, you can find us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you'd like to just talk to us in general, you can find Mac at MacTheMeh and Caleb at CLB underscore Clark. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the major podcast networks. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we see the results of the Daleks having access to time travel in The Chase.